Hello and welcome to Marketing in Times of Recovery. I'm your host, Iowa Bass, the founder and director of Abbas Marketing, which is a built environment marketing consultancy. Today, my guest is Helen Kettleborough, who is from Gleeds. Gleeds is a company whose marketing I've admired very much in the past few years, because basically it's smart, it's distinctive, and it's colourful, which are all things that I really do love. They're also taking a campaign-based thought leadership approach, which basically is music to my ears as well. In our conversation, we look at how their marketing team has moved away from being the colouring in department to becoming more of a strategic advisor, how they're now taking a sector-based approach and how they're helping that kind of happen in their business. We also look at their tone of voice and in terms of them being professional, but also playful. Anyway, if you like the show, please do share it with others on social media. It really, really does help us spread the word. And also, if you've got a chance, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? Because it is really, really lovely to hear what you think as well. Anyway, I'll stop talking so you can start listening. Bye-bye. Hi, Helen. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, Can you just give me a bit of an intro to who you are and your role at Gleeds? Sure. Um, So I'm Global Marketing and Communications Director at Gleeds. Um, It's quite a broad remit um, across um, internal communications, external communications and marketing. Um, Gleeds is a property and construction consultancy. So, you know, a massive global opportunity. And we have around 2000 people, um, over 70 offices and, um, you know, with a big growth ambition um, to double our turnover and the number of people in the global business over the next three to four years. So um, massive task, but massive opportunity. Gleeds originally was a QS firm, wasn't it? Because I was kind of looking back and I was thinking Gleeds were like Gleeds, Gleeds kind of DLE, Davis Langdon, Everett, wasn't it? and things like Turner and Townsend and things like that. That's kind of how you originated, wasn't it? I hadn't realised you'd changed so much over the past 20 years. It's quite a big you've kind of grown your remit quite a lot. I mean, what's the kind of split, I guess, across that? Um, well, you know, we still are a QS business, um, but you know, it's sort of broadening into that sort of you know wider field of cost management, project yeah. management, then all sorts of um, specialist skills that are within the business that enable our clients to achieve what they need to from, you know, specialist tax advice through to dispute advisory so you know the fundamentals of the business is still absolutely there it's part of our core it's part of our dna it's part of who we are Uh, but we've grown and expanded that capabilities to basically i think essentially a more sophisticated offering into the marketplace fantastic thank you for that i was just really i I looked i thought i traditionally hadn't realized what you covered so i was like oh okay um so in terms of the last kind of i guess 18 months to two years what challenges have you and your team kind of found in terms of how you've been marketing and what you well i actually only joined the business in march this year so um so i joined at a really really interesting point is You know, I think in our heads, everyone was starting to come out of the COVID pandemic and really starting to look to the future and where do we need to go? Because all of a sudden, the world of construction just went, just started to go mad, crazy um, with all of the build back better projects, not just in the UK, but elsewhere in the world. Um, And it's a a general restarting and reigniting of lots of opportunities across so many of the markets that we're working in. So, I think it was some of the bigger challenges have been sort of going through that switch of essentially, you know, what happened during COVID and the role of, a you know, an in-house marketing team during that sort of, you know, peak of the COVID pandemic, which I wasn't in Gleeds for. Um, But that was, you know, a lot about, you know, know, maintaining things, you know, 
managing COVID-orientated communications internally and externally. Um, but then looking at how do we flick the switch from, um, you know, sitting in that COVID world to looking at how do we actually go back out into um, the, the world of opportunity again. And I think, you know, particularly because in the background at Gleeds over the last 18 months, the business has been very much looking at moving from say, a service approach to a sector-based approach to how it wants to approach the markets. Um, Part of the reason that I joined the business was to really look at how we can um, ignite that sector-based approach to our markets because we see that as pretty key to the global growth opportunity um, that exists for a business like us. So rather than looking at the services per se, it's more about sectors and going in. and I I think there's a given that that... Sorry, I, I think there's a given within Gleeds that the services are an exceptionally high standard and the business yeah. is so well respected within its markets. It's now really focusing in where those services can make a difference in the sectors that we think have um, some of the best growth opportunity for us. So how do you flick the, flick the switch to a kind of, I can't say it, how do you flick the switch towards a kind of more sector-based approach? How do you kind of galvanise people to start working in that way? Um, I, I think one of the bigger changes has been really thinking about things from the customer perspective. Um, yeah. You know, I know people talk a lot about customer value proposition, but that's that's for me, you know, been a very important part of how we've started to approach um, the sectors. And it's really been looking at one or two sectors to start off with, because we have you know a number of a number of different sectors that we're looking at and looking to prioritise. But taking one or two of those sectors looking at how we turn um, the thought process from the fact that we are, we do this sector to what does it mean for our customers in this sector? And how can we support and enable our customers for the tasks that they need to think they need to do, the objectives they need to achieve within the sectors that they're working in. So we've, we've started off with one specific sector, which is actually quite a big sector for us in our infrastructure markets, yeah. and it's starting to change and shift how we approach um, the sector, thinking about it from a value proposition in terms of the customer, and then what does it actually mean for the marketing outputs, and starting to rethink some of those marketing outputs as to how we can make a different connection with the customer, so they actually understand that we have um, the ability to be able to support them on a much wider range of projects within the sectors and markets that they're concentrating on. So it's opening up more opportunities going in via that sector sector approach because you can kind of really support them, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, looking at the work we've been doing in the infrastructure markets, you know, some of that has been work has been, I would say, at a more basic level, which is actually just, you know, helping the market understand that we have a very powerful offer for clients within a number of different subsectors of infrastructure. And then looking at how do we actually start to make a connection with the customers and demonstrating our understanding of that market to be able to, um, you know, kick off those conversations and start the customer journey and I think that's another been another interesting part of the transition that we're starting to work on yeah you know in b2b marketing I think it's changed a lot over the last 10 to 15 years um and it's just it's just evolved just you know if I was sat here having this interview with you you know say 15 years ago this would be a completely different conversation I think yeah absolutely and you it was know, a, lot, a lot more narrow, wasn't it? And it was a lot more dry. Yes, it was. You know, I think all it had to do was sort of 
saying, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is where we do it, um, please come and do business with me. Yeah. Um, and if you did that really well, you know, you, you probably do very well. Um, it was about turning up at the right trade show. Um, it would be about making sure that, you know, your business was mentioned in all of the right media titles. Now, yeah. in, in, in delivery, a lot of that still hasn't changed. But I think, you know, how you behave and the story that you tell and then some of the activity that you do to build a longer term relationship has changed significantly yeah um so this is not just about awareness raising which i think is probably what we could you know do quite easily in the early days um it's now really (laughs) thinking about how we build that customer journey using the value proposition um to look at taking a long-term relationship because in b2b markets you know it can take a really long time to take from a first contact through to actually signing a contract to do a piece of business because of the nature of the markets and projects that we work in and we operate in. Yeah, it's a very long, long time, long lead time, isn't it? And that's what you have to get used to. I mean, I think the other thing is um, in terms of kind of B2B marketing, it's kind of, there's a lot more competition now. So, uh, you know, like before, like you look at 15 years ago, there weren't that many voices actually out there talking. And I think that's the other thing. It's a much more saturated market. So yes. Actually, to get your voice heard is just going to, it's, it's just that much harder as well. Um, so in terms of kind of your approach to kind of the sector based approach, I mean, has your brand changed since you, since you've arrived or, or because I know that, um, I mean, your brand's lovely, by the way, I love it. Thank stuff. you. It looks it does you. Look beautiful, but actually it's fun. It's playful. It's got a certain look to it and actually your tone of voice as well. It's, it's, it's not crazy academic or stiff. It's, it's actually, you know, you've got a nice tone of voice. It's kind of, it's approachable and accessible, which I think is important. I mean, has that evolved since you've arrived or, 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 has, or was that an ongoing journey for Gleeds? I think it's a real ongoing journey for Gleeds. We've really started to change how we present ourselves through, say, for example, social media, media channels and how we present ourselves going from, I think, you know, the more stuffy approach to um, social media, which is, you know, we're delighted to tell you that we have X, Y, and Z. Um, <laughs> I won this award. I'm very proud. <laughs> yes. Um, through to, and, you know, this is a journey that you know, Gleeds has been on before I joined as well. So, but yeah. you know, we're looking at how we accelerate that through to something that's much more about, much more about creating a conversation, um, engaging with people in things that, you know, we think that will be of interest to them. And that's, for, you know, from, the customers we're trying to target within sectors, you know, through to the people we're trying to attract in, attract into the business as well. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not just about customers. Uh, when you're a growing business, it's that story you need to tell around, um, you know, why we're a great place, why we are a great place to work to. Um, but you know, the actual you know creative delivery of the Glees brand, I think, has been very carefully nurtured over a long period of time. Um, around the professionalism, our independence, the quality of our people, because we do have real personality. Um, and it's a very a well-respected and very well-trusted business. Uh, our, our UK client satisfaction data is a huge amount of support from customers and clients for what we do. Um, nice. I think it's over 90, something like 97% of customers, you know, appreciate and value what, you know, what our teams in the UK deliver. And I know that's replicated um, in a various different bases around the world. So that brand has been very, very carefully nurtured. I think the thing that we really want to do with the brand going forwards is 
when you are part of the Gleeds business, the welcome you get into this business from everybody here is just phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I, it's just been the most fantastic experience. Um, and you really quickly just appreciate so many things about the culture of Gleeds. And I think what we want to do next yeah. is look at look very carefully about how we into our brand narrative start to pull out more of that culture story in terms of the you know the core story that we want to tell about our brand because I think it's really differentiating and I think you made a very good point earlier the markets that we're in are super competitive now um, there's a lot of people who can offer you know the same things that Gleeds does I don't think as well as Gleeds does because we're a specialist and we really the people in this business really know what they're doing um, but you do have yeah. to look harder at the differentiating factors of the type of business we are and what we're like to work with. And I think Gleeds just has this amazing culture of how it works with its clients, the collaboration, the advice um, and the nature and the way that we deliver projects that we need to bring out more strongly in our brand as it evolves. But visually, um, I, I think you know we're in, a, we're in you know probably a really you know sweet spot at the moment because um, it's it's got a very distinctive look and feel to it, and you can play with it. Mm. Um, uh, but there's a there's a real distinctiveness that sort of connects it, and that's something we absolutely you know don't want to lose. And I think it's um, you know part of what makes us very re- part of what makes us very recognisable within our markets. No, it does. I mean, yeah, your brand definitely does carry across or all, 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 everywhere I've seen it. It's, it's distinctive and it does stand out, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. So how do you, I guess, I mean, so in terms of kind of getting that internal culture and kind of sharing that more with your clients, so they understand more on it. I mean, what kind of process do you think you're going to take to do that or, or look to do next year to kind of bring that out and draw that out? I think, you know, one of the things that I think is going to be really important, um, you know, within this is becoming more sort of people orientated in terms of how we present ourselves. Um, You know, just going back to the sort of, you know, the sector um, strategy that we're building at the moment, each of those sectors has a really great lead and head to them. And it's about how we taking the voice of those individuals into the marketplace that I think starts to tell that story in a very powerful way for us. Um, you know, we've already been building um, you know, work, particularly in support of our recruitment campaigns, whereby we're having a different individuals talk about their experience of being part of Gleeds, and we certainly want to build on that. I think that now needs connecting to the technical leads within the business um, to be able to express what that culture enables, but through a sector um, lens, basically. So you're, I guess in a way you're toying with that whole personal brand versus corporate brand in a way, isn't it? It's that kind of that balance, which actually I've been talking a lot lot about on LinkedIn over the last few days. And it's that balance of, I guess, where does it go in terms of that pendulum and that swing, isn't it? And you're kind of tipping now more towards the personal to get those, I guess, characters out and those kind of people stories out really, I guess, are you? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that, um, the technical, so you're almost at a point, I think, in some of these markets where the technical capability almost becomes a hygiene factor. Um, yeah. And it's the additional value that you bring. And that additional value, you know, you can express in all sorts of different, all sorts of different ways through your thought leadership, through the sort of, you know, demonstrating the projects that you're working on. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it comes back down to the people. And I think my experience of, the, of this business is, is that, it's a great group of people who have, you know, many of whom have been in this business for a very long time. So understand their markets, their industries, and 
what makes a difference to clients really, really well. Um, yeah. And it's such a fundamental part of the culture um, to express that back through the people, I think, is an exceptionally powerful thing for us to do. In terms of thought leadership and campaigns, what do you, how, how have you been tackling that? Well, at the end of the day, everything we do is all about creating a connection between us and the business and our customers that delivers some sort of change or reaction. So there's that sort of basic thought process running through, uh, you know, pretty much everything we do and how and how we're, and how we're approaching it. Um, so rather than just sort of running into the fact that we want the world to know that we do something, um, <laughs> we are, which is lots of people will want, will, you know. If you live your life at all in an in-house, you know, marketing and communications team, uh, getting our name out there is something that, you know, people come and talk to you about a lot. We need to get our name out there. Um, <laughs> For what? So, For what? That's what I'm always yeah. saying. I was like, For you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So Give me the story. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's sort of the one question that sometimes when, you know, people come and talk to you is that your heart sinks just for a moment. Um <laughs> But it's it's all about sort of, you know, you know, helping people understand the strategic value that, you know, good marketing can bring. And you do that by asking just lots and lots of questions and really starting to try and understand, you know, what the marketing outcomes that we need to achieve. You know, what do we need to be famous for? And, you know, what process timeline are we working to to be able to make this happen? And we're using those conversations to then, you know, shift the thought process and start to put a campaign mindset in place that um, enables us to think more precisely about what we're going to do. Because I think the other part of the challenge, um, you know, we'll always, you know, in marketing, we'll always say we never have enough money to know to do what we need to do. Um, but what you can do is think smart in these circumstances and look at how you put focus into it. So rather than trying to do everything for everybody within an organisation, and Glees is no different, you know, I've been through a lot of different organisations where we've had this conversation. Let's just say this part of the business works really well, um, but we, we're not going to touch that right now we're going to focus our effort and our resource into three or four things that are going to make are going to make the biggest difference and of course there's always going to be that background chat about oh we need to do this and we need to do that and that is part of the sort of you know life of being in an in-house team but moving yeah. a stronger focus around a smaller number of things that are going to make a bigger difference is very much the approach that we're taking and looking at how that then translates into a campaign. And I say really starting to work with our colleagues to understand what that customer journey is, how they actually win business and how we can influence something and been a partner to the sales end of the process um, rather than, you know, these two, you know, parts of the business, you know, living in splendid isolation and occasionally throwing bricks at each other. Um, it, you know, it's building the partnership so we can actually make a bigger difference with less um, and then using that as hopefully over the sort of more medium term to prove that we're actually adding real genuine value. I do. I mean, I, I love campaigns. I'm, I'm a, that is my, uh, that's what I love. And I always kind of think it has that compounding effect as well. People get used to, you know, you find the right topic and that hook. And actually, uh, for me, you don't need a huge budget. It's actually a lot of it is having conversations with people and it's in their heads. And like uh, you yes. start talking to your sector experts and if you know how to draw it out, then all of a sudden you're like, this is the content that we need to start sharing. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be expensive. And I think there's, there is this thing of, oh no, I need a brochure. It's like, actually, no, you can actually come up with some really good thought leadership from a conversation. And then that builds into something else and understanding your clients and they find that valuable. But yeah. Oh, that, I mean, it's, yeah. 
<laughs> so how many, you know, interesting about how many times in my career I've been asked, I really need a brochure for this. Um, oh, it's a crutch. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, time, and sometimes it? I, it is, it's like, yeah, it, it's total crutch. But sometimes, you know, people do need something to give them the confidence to go out and do the job that they need yeah. to do. So while I might, I do joke about it, I think there's probably sometimes quite a serious underlying question as a, you know, that's driving that request. Yeah. And you do need to think, you know, about how you're dealing with that because, you know, people need to know the story. And I think but that's where we're putting the energy is not just creating a brochure for brochure's sake is looking at what's the story that you need to tell your clients, what's the understanding you need to demonstrate for the client and taking a different approach to literature. And that's a really interesting project that we're currently working on um, that is starting to get some real traction with some of the sort of sector heads who are sort of seeing that it is quite different, but actually it, it is actually really genuinely helpful um, rather than a kitchen sink brochure, um, which is maybe more, yeah. you know, this more typical type of equity you might see within our industry, not just from Gleeds, but from many other businesses as well. Oh, completely. It's a project book quite often, isn't it? Yes. It's a project book of everything <laughs> we've done in that sector. And then you yeah. have to kind of go, okay, so what was different about this one and that one? Or the colour? Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. But I love the idea that you're actually supporting people on how to understand the literature and use it as well, yeah. because I think that's the missing part, isn't it? People kind of sit there and go, well, it's just a brochure, you just give it to them, right? And it's like, well, yeah. no, actually, this tells a story and it supports you in this way. And it's just showing people, I guess, how to use it. Yeah. If it's not your day job, then it's, I know. You know, it's harder. And I'm, and I'm really excited, actually, at the moment about some of the work we're doing in that in that space. Um, I think in the next month or so, we're going to have some really nice um, conclusions to share with the wider business. And I'm really hoping that they're going to be as excited about it as I am. So the initial feedback's been great. Um, and, you know, we're doing something with, I would say, a fraction of the words and a fraction of um, the number of case studies that we might previously have used. But yeah. looking at how you can turn that in actually to a more powerful story. Um, and I feel it's a really important part of some of the transition that we're starting to make happen within, you know, within the business. Wow, that's, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to be looking out for that when that does come out. <laughs> like, it's the link. I, hope, I, I, I hope you like it. <laughs> I love your stuff, so I should do. Um, <laughs> and what channels do you think have been working well for you at the moment? Is there any particular things you're looking at? Yeah, you know, well now and what you're looking at in the future. Yeah, well, a couple of things. Um, LinkedIn is something that I'm a, you know, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. Um, And, but I I think it's about LinkedIn being a tool for the whole business and how you engage the whole business. Um, You know, I'm not an expert on algorithms, but organic LinkedIn can be quite a powerful thing if you get it right. Um, So we are, you know, we manage our LinkedIn. output really carefully and it's increased is i think over the last sort of year and a half before i joined the business um i think everyone really started to appreciate you know what linkedin made possible but it's a really it's a really interesting dynamic i think between a traditional marketing department whereby you know, the marketing department does everything and no one else touches it and LinkedIn, I think, yeah. starts to sort of blur that boundary because everyone has the opportunity to be part of, part of the marketing team. Um, and actually, yeah. by getting more and more people engaged in doing their own LinkedIn, but in a managed and curated way, so they have the confidence to go out and know that they're doing the right thing rather than you know creating mistakes. Because people can be quite scared of doing it because uh, they yeah. want to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and you know you know create problems. Yeah. What we're looking at is 
Um, we're actually doing internal, you know, training and workshops to help educate our colleagues as to how, you know, they can become part of that LinkedIn success story through the work that they do Definitely. in LinkedIn. You know, and, it, and, it, and it's in its in its most basic, it's just like and share things. Um, you know, like sharing comments and the basics. But if you yeah. can get as you start to build that activity, you start to build your profile. But also, you know, helping the more um, proactive individuals you know develop their own content which then if you connect it in with your company pro you know with your own formal company um, account you start to create something very dynamic in that environment and I think that's really interesting we've been doing a lot of work on that front I mean how have people been have people been open to that because that's quite a because it is quite a scary thing isn't it I think yeah. people get a lot of anxiety about yeah. LinkedIn and posting and I'll yeah. get fired which is yeah. really bad. Yeah. And, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we work really closely with um, the sort of the in-house um, compliance team to ensure that our LinkedIn, our social media guidelines are all sort of in the right place with the right advice. Um, so there's a sort of a there's, a, there's a very formal framework that sits around it. Um, but, you know, it's like it's like anything else. You sort of find the people who are most enthusiastic and help them and then use those people as the trailblazers to get more people involved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, initially our initial workshops on how to use LinkedIn, how to develop your profile, how to start you know, engaging more with content that you think that would help you reach out to your customers. You know, you know, it's just simple things like, you know, tagging someone who you think might be interested in a piece of our thought leadership. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't know how to do that and are very nervous about doing it. So we're working really hard on helping people understand how to do it, helping them understand what they should and shouldn't do, and you know, really trying to give them confidence to do more. And we're already starting to see our stats change as a result. So I'm really, ex I'm really excited about that. And also, of course, the LinkedIn traffic is very important in terms of how we're pulling people through to our website and starting yeah. to you know, capture that interest and build relationships, which sort of goes into the other area of investment that, you know, that, that we've taken quite seriously over the last few months, which is bringing in a marketing automation platform in so we can actually start to do more with the interest that we're creating. Because um, yeah, given the scale and size of our business and yeah. given our growth ambition and the number of markets that we're working across, um, it's we are we have started to invest make some discrete investment in very specific digital tools that are going to help us, you know, do more with um, what we have. That's fantastic. Now, I think um, definitely what you're saying in terms of LinkedIn as well, and, and just giving people support to understand how to use it confidently. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And yeah, I love LinkedIn. It's, yeah. It's awesome. There's lots of horrible, you know, apocryphal stories out there that, you know, someone, you know, someone got their sort of, you know, wrist slapped by saying the wrong thing on LinkedIn. And of course, that occasionally, you know, people do make mistakes or, you know, just get over enthusiastic about what they're doing. But if you're helping people understand what the sort of framework is that they're working exactly. within, you're giving people the space to be confident in. And I think that's what makes a difference and, you know, starts to engage more and more people in the marketing output of the organisation. And I think in LinkedIn training as well, I just always remember when you show people, oh, look, this isn't that one of your clients? And they kind of go, yes. And you go, look, your competitors are talking to them on LinkedIn. And you show them and they're like, whoa. It's like, well, it is. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's there. It's a digital platform. And if you're not there, you could be missing out. It's another way to network, isn't it? I, I, I think LinkedIn at the moment is really important in the whole market for professional services i really do um you know we're probably less visible on other social media platforms um and i think we need to do quite a bit more work at some point on some of our work across some of the other social media platforms but we've chosen linkedin as the pro as the platform to focus on back to that 
you have you have, you're always going to have a limited resource so let's focus on what can make yep. the biggest difference um and in our view linkedin is the platform that will make the biggest difference to us you know right now but there's obviously other social media platforms out there that we do engage with but maybe not in quite such an intense way as we're doing with with, with linkedin right now and, and i think that's one of the other sort of you know follow follow throughs of the covid pandemic is that a lot of people who might previously not have engaged in LinkedIn are now and you know for me that's increasing and increasing the opportunity of that LinkedIn activity because I think more and more people are actually have actually seen how useful it is. Are you going to explore things like pay channels on LinkedIn or ads on you that kind of stuff or is that something we, you might? Yes we are just actually right now um, you know kicking off some small campaigns around paid work on LinkedIn just to see what difference it makes to us Um, and that's very linked to one of our specific um, sectors so it's we've taken one of our sectors um, we've we've created a whole new um, range of collateral around it from a webinar through to a market report through to thought leadership and we're now connecting that into some of the target audiences that we want to reach on LinkedIn through paid activity and literally that is just kicking off this week so we're testing a number of different ways of doing that to see if it actually helps us and gets our sort of content into the sort of like the faces, so to speak, of um, yeah, some yeah. of the target clients that we really want to start building relationships with. I think well, it's always good to test, isn't it? And see yes. how it goes. And, yeah. and that's what's so great about digital at the moment is you can do that for a relatively low cost. I know. it's And, and, I, and I think then, you know, the team's actually having quite a lot of fun with that. Um, because they can start to see how you know you can experiment, what you can learn, and what does that mean in terms of where we go next? Because what might be right for your experience in one company could be very different for what works in the client base in a different company. And I think having that space to be able to experiment with that, I think, is really interesting. So, how do you define success for your marketing? <laughs> uh, I find this topic and this question, you know, re- really sometimes quite difficult to answer. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> It's, you know, we are, you know, over the past few months, we've been just putting a whole load of metrics in place. And I'm particularly now we're getting an automation platform. I'm going to have data that, you know, can, you know, tell you who's had a cup of tea in the morning. You know what it's like. Um, and there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a vast amount of, you know, detail within those metrics that are being set up, which, of course, is exceptionally useful for demonstrating campaign success and the learning in terms of, you know, who's done what with what, what's, what was our most successful, you know, piece of content to bring through, um, you know, those new customer leads that we're really interested in. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, if we're doing proper strategic marketing, I think you know the, the measures become quite simple because it's around has the business achieved its goals because we contribute to that. Are our customers satisfied because we contribute to that? And you know what what is the employee satisfaction data within the business? Because again, the internal side of this is equally important, and it's how we've contributed to that. So, yeah. as well as looking at the sort of you know specific metrics, you know our campaign objectives have we achieved them you know what did what did we manage to do what do the metrics look like what have we learned what does that data tell us yeah but at the end of the day you know marketing success should be looked at, looked at alongside the overall success of a business um because that's what that's what we're here to you know deliver that's what we're here to make happen we're a partner to the business um not a service of the business and if we can 
look at you know long-term success of Bleeds or any other organization that you're part of and know that you've been you know, you've contributed to the overall business goals whatever that plan might be that they're the measures that you, measures that you ultimately need to look to because that's about you know, has this business done what it needed to do and have I played my role in helping make that happen Okay, so on to my final question. So <laughs> what one tip would you give a business leader looking to make their mark, I guess, as we go into 22, 2022 in marketing? So what 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 one tip would you give them? Um, okay, I, I actually had two thoughts on this because uh, I knew you were going to ask me this question. Yeah, no, and I thought very deeply about it. Um, and I think, you know, one important tip is internal communications if you're developing the external profile of your business it needs to be reflected in the internal conversation that anyone might have with each other or with a client and you need to follow and you must follow through from what you're saying externally to what people believe and say internally and I think that joined up um, mindset is just critical Um, but I also think you know the other um top tip at the moment is thinking very carefully about how you address sustainability and the journey to the net zero agenda. Um, I'm seeing a lot of unauthentic commentary around net zero, particularly in the run-up to COP. And I think you have to really think about what is authentic for your business and really mean what you say. And also be able to back it up. Yeah. You know, the younger generation are going to call you out. Um, and they're the people that you need for your business to succeed in the long term. So I, I think that it's interesting or just observing the plethora of business commentary that's been going on over the last few weeks as COP26 has gotten closer. And I think you can really start to spot the companies that have a really authentic story and are actually doing something very genuine to enable um, the climate resilience um, engage in that climate resilience um, challenge versus companies who are really just um, sort of you know, greenwashing it and saying what they think they need to say um, but don't come over as authentic and I think that that will start to I think you'll start to see a divide between the companies that are genuine and the companies that aren't and I think the younger generation who you need for your long-term success are, are going to call you out on it. I think on that note, you are completely and utterly right. Thank you so much for your time, Helen. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. It was great. You asked great questions, I owe. You made me really think about what we do. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass. If you want to find out more about the bi-weekly show, do check out the show notes, which will give you more information about who the guests are and all the things we've covered. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye.